0: And now I forget yesterday, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter.
1: Oh, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's terrible now. I, I've Which just... is
1: a lie, because I had cookie crisp for breakfast.
0: You had what?
1: Cookie crisp.
0: What, what's cookie crisp?
1: <laughs>
0: that doesn't sound like it's food or breakfast.
1: I think, wasn't our first episode about cereals?
0: We definitely covered, is it a cereal?
1: It is. It's loosely a cereal. I'm not even sure you could really classify it that way. It's it, basically little rice puffed cookies and you pour milk on them and, you know, they're big enough that you can jam five or six of them in your mouth in a spoonful.
0: Yeah, that's not food. That's, that's, not, that's not breakfast. That's, that's, that's sweets. That belongs in the candy episode. Wow. Well, I'd, I'd eat those too if they were available to me.
1: It's definitely not good for us.
0: Yeah. Well. But as an adult, yeah, well, that's that's a responsible adult brought it into the house. That's that's all you need to know.
1: She's not responsible, I'll tell you that. We're supposed to be doing Weight Watchers, and she she threw all that to the wind this weekend. That uh, that bitch (laughs) (laughs) brought home donuts and cookies and Cookie Crisp, and she's like, Here we go, and she she proceeded to eat. Four donuts and nine cookies on Saturday.
0: That's 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 not on the Weight Watchers diet. Each, Definitely, each not. cookie's a thousand points.
1: It's it's like a billion altogether with what she ate. Yeah, it
0: it's so frightening that because I I did the Weight Watchers thing myself years ago, uh, and I I just remember the day I looked up how many points the KFC meal I'd just eaten was, <laughs> and it was oh, like, Oh yeah. yeah, you've just eaten your points for the week, dude. Did you have right. the skin? Yeah. Oh, that's the month then. Okay, I'll not have another one. Sorry.
1: Basically anything you liked. It's just like ha ha ha, you fool. Yeah.
0: Did you think you'd get to eat food on this diet? Think not. Anyway, should we should we do it? Should we start the show? We should. Because I'm dying to talk about stuff. Um,
1: I hope I hope that you're prepared tonight because I'm utterly not. I'm just gonna apologize to you right up front. Usually what I do is I will set aside like part of my Tuesday afternoon at work when I'm supposed to be taking a break to just jot down a whole bunch of notes that I've been thinking about while I've been stuck in front of the computer. Right. There there never came a break today.
0: Well, so. I I have actually had that similar sort of experience with the break because we went to Asda shopping and it's the bit like the, the vegetable aisle, I just switch off completely. So I, I have nothing no reason to be here. I'm not gonna choose anything from this aisle, uh, I might as well either go and get the bread, or just think about what I'm doing later. So I just kind of mull around, looking at my phone, walking into things.
1: 30 seconds, no more, but just clear this up for me real quick. Is Asda the same thing as Aldi? Are they just rebranded? No,
0: Asda's the same thing as Walmart. Okay. Alright. Quite literally the same as Walmart. In fact, the sign says it's part of the Walmart family. Alright. But it's it is otherwise known as the one that's open latest for people like us.
1: Open latest? It, no, I mean, I
0: latest at night. Oh, yeah, you have you, you, you have a society based on actually pleasing customers, don't you? Now, um, the idea of like a 24-hour supermarket is quite new here. Really? Yeah. So the one that we have that is open 24 hours a day is Asda. And there are like four or five other equally large supermarkets in town. It's just that they all close at 8 p.m. or 10 p.m.
1: Some of my best times have been going into Walmart at 3 a.m. and like wandering through the ghost aisles and picking up a football and throwing it around with people and riding piggyback through the aisles.
0: I've done it myself, especially when I was living on my own. I mean, it's like 2 a.m and I could watch a movie and this was in the days before you could just go onto iTunes and rent a movie or something like that so I'd end up at asda at 3 a.m browsing the DVD aisle doing that thing where you' try and you're looking through the ones that are sort of three pounds the the ones they can't sell because <laughs> you you're kind of hoping that you'll find the one that you know is good and that that gives you this extra feeling of smugness that you you knew enough about films to know that that cheap film was actually quite good.
1: There was a lot of that here in college. And I will be honest, the ones that were on the three dollar rack usually were the best ones. Because it was the popular ones that they would keep artificially inflated.
0: That's what they do. Mind you, that's how I ended up with the the uh what is it, the Mel Gibson Jesus film on DVD. The Passion. Yeah. Never once put it in. Never once My parents
1: once. bought that you know, my my Christian parents bought that for me for Christmas one year and it sat under the television in its shrink wrapping for 6 years until i threw it away <laughs> in the in the shrink wrapping still
0: that's that's pretty cool that's that's good i my parent my dad sent me uh, the latest mission impossible film on blu-ray which arrived Ghost today protocol yeah i haven't seen it yet it looks looks alright
1: that's some a- that's a weird one because I hear really, really good things and really, really bad things. And they both come from people or factions of people that I trust.
0: Right. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. Good. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. He does this thing where he's buy- my dad is buying me Blu-rays occasionally. It's not like it's a regular thing. It, it really is quite rare, but it does happen. And the story is always the same. I accidentally bought two from Amazon, he says. And you think, I buy a lot from Amazon, you know, Dad. In fact, most things I buy that aren't sort of day-to-day groceries come from Amazon. I I don't think I've ever bought anything twice by accident. Not not ever once has that happened, but my dad apparently does it every couple of months with Blu-rays.
1: I think he's straight up lying to you. I I
0: think he is. I think he's trying to be nice and and get me something or whatever. And he's he's just.
1: <laughs> I, I, you can say that.
0: Hey, I just got you this. I thought you'd like it. That that would be acceptable. But he can't do that. He's, I bought two by accident. Bullshit. No, you no you didn't. No, you didn't. You're not you're not a moron. You didn't accidentally buy two. Oh well. Maybe he is, and he did. I don't know. I don't. I don't sit with him while he's on the internet. That would inevitably lead to a too personal moment.
1: <laughs> so our thirty seconds on Asda stretched into nine minutes and four seconds.
0: We haven't even been recording that long. <laughs> My time is coming up to six minutes fifty-five, and that's since since I called. But we can let's start the show. Let's, let's okay. Let's then. go ahead and start the show. Yeah.
1: Let's uh, let's see if I can string enough words into a coherent sentence to do a lead-in. Hey, everybody. I'm Rich. Over See, I can't even do that. I just said I'm rich.
0: Keep going. You're <laughs> Rich. I'm Jason.
1: This is. Hey, everybody. I'm Jason. He's Rich over there. And this is Remastered, the show where we talk about old things that we still think are cool, even though they're probably not. And uh, honestly, our memories are faulty. So we're probably remembering them wrong anyway.
0: Because we're quite old now.
1: That's right. In our 30s. Can you believe that?
0: No, actually. No, I can't.
1: I still, I still have... <laughs> sometimes forget and think that I'm in my 20s.
0: I, I, it's like, how the hell did this happen? How did this happen? I, I still reminisce over the time I was little and ask my dad how long it will be until the year 2000. And that, I can remember <laughs> that so clearly. And that, that look of disappointment of, kid, just, you know what year it is, count. I've, I've made an idiot. But he, he told me and he was saying, like, it's two years, Rich.
1: I was driving through town today and looking around and thinking, man, these kids are all dressed really well. It's a college town, so all the college kids are walking by, and then it hit me. They're not dressing really well. They're ironically dressing like it's the 90s, because they're (laughs) hip
0: Oh, dear. Yeah, the time when we were young is now a nostalgic period. Frightening.
1: Well, frightening, but also what this show is all about. And tonight I think we're talking about... Uh, I'm not not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but we decided to talk about commercials from childhood and how they were kind of used to program us.
0: Yeah. I must admit that that knocked me for 6-bit a because I thought we were doing formative movie soundtracks, but I remember very clearly now you said it that we're actually doing how we were programmed by television ads targeted at kids.
1: Did you prepare for... I
0: did the wrong homework, sir.
1: I didn't do any homework. So there we go. We'll, well, switch we'll, over. we'll
0: just no, we'll just wing it. I don't I don't care. All I did was look th- I typed scary. S- I typed soundtrack into my iTunes collection. That that was my homework.
1: Let's talk about soundtracks instead, okay. honestly.
0: Okay. Okay, we'll do that then.
1: Okay. So soundtracks it is. <laughs> uh, lots of 90s stuff going on here, I'm sure, right? Do
0: you know it's not? It's, no? it's I think this is a lot of 80s stuff. I'd need to double sort of cross-reference it all against the IMDB, so I'll bring that up in another window just to make sure. Uh, See,
1: I'd be willing to put down a $10 bet that when you look at your iTunes, you're not really seeing soundtrack music so much as you're seeing score music, because I know that you love 80s scores.
0: I'm seeing quite a different selection. I know what you mean. There's the soundtrack and the score. And I I would argue, what is it Uh, I heard? uh, It was what Robert Zemeckis said about doing the the music for forrest gump the the score tells you the emotion of the film and the the soundtrack tells you where and when and all that sort of thing which worked out pretty well for forrest gump
1: so oh that's an interesting thought i'd never really stopped to think of it that way so he's saying that a soundtrack is like an audio uh establishing shot
0: kind of i mean if you if you imagine it in the context of forrest gump so you get the bit where he's reading the letter to to Jenny or his mum by the grave, and that's got score over it because it's sad. Whereas when he's going through the swamp in in Vietnam, it's Jimi Hendrix.
1: To be fair, Forrest Gump does have one of the most literal soundtracks slash scores ever.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's right there. It's it's the dead easy one that one. Uh, which is why I quite like that one. But that's not on my list of of formative. I, I suppose what we mean by this is sort of soundtracks that stuck with you. That, do you know what this is? This is the action music that plays in your head. In while you're li- driving, yeah, in all kinds of different circumstances, especially <laughs> while driving. I think this is the music that you play in your head instinctively, and it's it's that stuff we're talking about. You know, it's sort of when you listen to it, you imagine yourself in the situation of the character. Like when I hear the Back to the Future theme music, I don't think of Michael J. Fox, I think of me driving the DeLorean. Is that weird?
1: No, that's not weird. That's awesome.
0: That's just that's how
1: it plays. at its best.
0: It is. It's just how it plays out in my head, and and everything's like that. And it's actually why I have so much of this crap in my iTunes collection. It's because I just genuinely like listening to it, and that is why. It's quite bizarre. I think part of me really wants to be a Hollywood actor in big action movies. It's a very tiny bit that is just disappointed because it's stuck in a rather flabby body in Howarth. But
1: A really big part of me has always wanted to be the guy who chooses the soundtracks. Really? Well, I mean, think about Quentin Tarantino movies. That's the absolute best part. Everybody praises Quentin Tarantino for picking the best music to go with his movies, and I think it was probably round about the time that I saw Pulp Fiction, which would have been 95, somewhere in there. Yeah, I didn't see it like in the theater. I uh, saw it on tape. But what a great soundtrack. I thought, hey, I know music. I could do that.
0: I think the problem with that is, especially in the Quentin Tarantino sense, you need to have also directed a movie to get to do that. I well, think that's
1: are small. I mean, I, I think I could direct music and then move up.
0: See, that was actually it was on my list of possible things I would try to do with my life was film score writing because I have a bit of a musical background, you know. In fact, more so that than anything else. And I do know
1: uh, that you play bass.
0: Oh, that's, that was just a hobby. That was a secondary thing, playing bass. That was a, you've already learned to play all these instruments. Now someone says, do you want to play bass? Yeah, all right. I've got nothing else going.
1: Very few people know that your first love is the flute.
0: (laughs) If only. That would be so cooler than what it actually is. I learned to play the organ. Everybody's... Really? Yeah. the The electric organ. Not in the cool... Sort of hammond organ, jazz blues, kind of thing, no, no, in the the closer to the theatre organ kind of thing is the concept of the theatre organ something you get, not really, okay, so right, um let me let me make sure I get this right, and <laughs> strangely, we were listening to this stuff on the way home from asda uh, right. Incidentally, and this has just reminded me, if you haven't seen the Google Doodle for today, everybody needs to go and look at that because it's the most awesome one they've ever done. It's a fully working MOOC synthesizer with four-track uh, recording. That's It's just come up because I've just done a, an organ. A search.
1: Now, by the time people hear this, they're not going to still see that, but I think you're talking to the people who are hanging out in our chat room. Yeah. While you're looking up the stuff about the theater organ, let me say hi to all these people here. We've got Mike... Gadiak, Marius, Kip, E-I-O, E-I-E-I-O-N, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, uh, Kurnow, Iguana Eye Tony. we got lots of people hanging out with us tonight.
0: This is the place to be on a Tuesday night, and the cool kids are starting to realize it.
1: You're not doing anything else on that Tuesday night. Exactly.
0: Come on. What else At are you going to do? At 7
1: p.m. Eastern time.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the theater organ. And and strangely, you, you guys do have them because the example picture on Wikipedia is from the Ann Arbor, Michigan Theatre. So they're, they're, they'll be across America. But this is sort of, if you imagine back in the days of silent film and maybe earlier a little bit, uh, you would have the they're enormous organs, three keyboards and a pedal board and an array of flip switches and that sort of thing, and they sort of come out of the floor underneath the cinema screen, and they're enormous, and it's it's really terrible music. It it really is. It's it's not Morris dancing brass band kind of bad, but you would not tolerate somebody putting on a theatre organ album and saying, "Hey, check this out." You would not have that. Trust me. It's it's very bad. Um, so I, yeah, it's it's more in terms of playing for ballroom dancers or that sort of thing. So it wasn't cool. Ever, not even a it, it little doesn't bit. Doesn't
1: sound like it. Uh, how did how did you get pushed into doing
0: this? Uh, my granddad died, which is the big shock thing that I like to say. Technically, what happened? He died, and he had an organ, and so when he died. The organ. You harvested it. Yeah, came to our house. And it was sort of just there in the living room. I was sort of four going on five years old. And as I remember, it, I'd sort of, you said and hit this thing and it makes a noise. And my dad could kind of play it a little bit, which is bizarre because he still plays and over 30 years, I swear, he's not improved one iota, which bewilders me. Just I think if you do anything for 30 years, you will inevitably get better at it. But he actually hasn't at all. It's, it's quite strange. Uh, and so eventually I was just offered lessons when I was five. Just, do you want to learn to play this thing? In fact, maybe it was just, for God's sake, learn to play it or get the hell off it. Uh, and so they got me organ lessons. And that led to piano lessons, which led to bass lessons, which led to double bass lessons, which led to playing with the jazz orchestra and other things as well. So I was always a musical person. It was always that. And so went back in the the days at uni when we were kind of starting the filmmaking thing. The plan was that Mike and Tristan would make the film and I would put the music on it. Which kind of happened once. But it turned out I think it's not really for me. I don't think so. But that, that's...
1: Based, though, on your musical background, I'm curious to find what you think of as good soundtrack music.
0: That, that's a tricky one. I think good soundtrack music is sort of anything that's appropriate to the, to the film. Uh, but the, the soundtrack, I, I definitely have a type of soundtrack music that I, I like, that I prefer. And, and that, again, ties, because it's so tied to the film itself. You know, it's it's not a separate thing by any means. It's it's part of the film. And it's always
1: gotta have an emotional attachment to that film, doesn't it?
0: Exactly. And so those the, are
1: the ones that I like too. Those are the CDs that I got to play over and over and over and over again until they were just about worn out.
0: Yeah. And so something can be a good piece of soundtrack music, but it's not necessarily one that I would that would stand out to me or have any kind of emotional imprint at all. The the obvious ones from the eighties a sort of and strangely enough, mainly John Williams, because you've got your Star Wars, you've got your Indiana Jones, you've got your Superman,
1: All your John Williams:
0: all all John Williams.: Because you get
1: those mixed up, by the way.
0: I, I don't, but I understand that people can. It, it's just this is music that I've just heard so many times. I've heard the music more than I've seen those films, and I've seen those films more than any normal person should have done
1: i'll so, admit i get to hum- humming superman and and we you know i'll swear up and down that it's uh, raiders it's really? clearly, the, yeah
0: they are very similar and i th- i think there is a distinct john williams style you know damn well when you're listening to a piece of john williams music without a doubt uh it it's a very distinct style and i kind of i worried that the more he's gone on the more it doesn't change and you just think oh, Showing you but it's up a good. bit. As,
1: Does it have to change? Well,
0: no. I suppose if it works, it works. But it, it, I kind of feel it shows that he might be a li- little bit limited as a, in his range as a composer. However, maybe if you're making a film, you get John Williams in because he's gonna do John Williams music.
1: I think that that's it. I think that that sameness is self-selected. I don't think that it's because of any kind of lack of talent or lack of range or lack of pliability. But uh, I think when people order up John Williams, they 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 want Star Wars.
0: Yeah, and in and in, you know there are other composers like it. Look at, at Danny Elfman of Beetlejuice and Batman and all other fame like that. Uh, you you again. You know when you're listening to a Danny Elfman track, God, that's that's a that's a Family Guy Star Wars joke. In fact, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes. Blue Harvest.
0: Great. Now we're gonna have to do the rest of the movie with Danny Elfman, and you get Danny Elfman music, and everyone gets that. Ah, yeah. So they're, they're, the, they're the big ones, and it's clearly because they are linked to such awesome movies. Whereas you get, I don't know, there's other big film themes that stand out, and they're big recognized pieces of music that I think are great pieces of music, but I don't have any connection to them or anything like that at all.
1: Now, do you want to focus on the themes here rather than on the soundtracks? Because there's some great ones that people rarely think of.
0: I'm happy to go with whatever. I'm I'm easy.
1: What, what well, As are you, long as what we're talking about the as long as we're talking about the eighties, we gotta talk about Tangerine Dream.
0: Right. I'm just which
1: c- can you pull out some Tangerine Dream movies?
0: I'm just looking it up. I've never never heard oh, of this.
1: Oh, sure you have. Yes. There's there's two quintessential tangerine dream movies. I mean they've done I don't know, 50s, 60s soundtracks, but uh, there, there's two that everybody can pick up on. The first is Risky Business. Right. Uh, which, Love on a Real Train, still heavy, heavy, heavy rotation on my iPod. I mean, it's one of the best uh, instrumental pieces, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm an 80s guy, though, so I'm skewed that way. Um, the other is Legend, another Tom Cruise movie.
0: All right. I haven't seen Risky Business, and I haven't seen Legend since sort of the late 80s.
1: If you do go back and watch Legend, be careful, because there is one version of the movie where they overdub it with different music, right sucky music. Um, So if you're looking to buy it specifically to hear Dandereen Dream, make sure that you get that one. Look look very carefully at the back of the case.
0: Oh, and I I see they did the theme tune to uh, Street Hawk as well.
1: Street talk.
0: <laughs> that was a favorite of mine.
1: I don't think I've seen that one.
0: It's like Night Rider, but with a bike.
1: Oh, Lord. That's, that's
0: precisely what it is. It's like Night Rider with a bike.
1: Uh, right down to the bike talking.
0: The bike didn't talk, but that's that. That's the only difference. Um. So yeah, you Looking. God, this was another one. Then the, to, uh, I was talking to Alison the other day about tv shows that i thought ran for ages that actually really didn't night rider well like night rider uh, and Street Hawk. here is another one that i remember that being on for ages and the first line on wikipedia streethawk is an american t- television series that aired for 13 episodes in 1985 that was not on forever there are 13 of these things in
1: existence it must have been awful that happens a lot with me with cartoons there'll be cartoons that i just absolutely thought was epic or thought they were epic and they ran forever and everyone knew them. And I'll go back and say, Hey guys, you remember, uh, tiger sharks. Yeah. Tiger sharks is awesome. And people will say, what, what now? What's tiger sharks? And I'll sigh and say, you know, thundercats for fish.
0: I've never heard of that.
1: That's the problem. Right.
0: I see. Now here's one. I think, and I'd be interested to test this cause I've never really put it to the test. And I I think there'd be some people in the chat room or that would hear this podcast that might understand what I'm saying. I think you could get, if you got a copy of the soundtrack to Star Wars, the full score of Star Wars and played random bits, sort of 30 second bits from different points on the soundtrack. I reckon I could tell you what scene it's from and possibly if applicable, what line of dialogue is being said as that piece of music plays.
1: Most assuredly. I could do the same thing. We're, we're of one accord on that.
0: I could certainly sit from beginning to end and hum the the entire score from beginning to end as it plays out. That's that's no problem. Um, as I imagine it in my head, if I play a little bit of the film in my head, I know exactly what piece of music goes on it. So you I,
1: certainly couldn't do that, though, with something like Jerry Goldsmith's Alien score.
0: No, you couldn't. And that, that doesn't mean that it's a bad score, but it's clearly not as... Well, it, does that mean it's just not as good as, say, something like Star Wars?
1: I think that's a tangible measurement, sure.
0: How, how memorable it is. But then that... By, by that way of thinking, I, I was trying to remember sort of the last uh, big soundtrack in a film that I really remember. And I'm having trouble... Coming up with anything in recent memory, like you know, the 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 Avengers. There's your big epic movie of this year. I can't remember any of the music for that whatsoever.
1: No, because it, I think modern scores are less used to set up this big fantastic background and more used just to to very subtly highlight and tell you, okay, laugh now, okay, cry now, and that's all that they're there for.
0: I do feel like they've been pushed to one side a little bit.
1: I don't necessarily think that they've been pushed to one side. I think that they've been started to use more like subliminal messages.
0: I, I see what you mean.
1: They're, they're more a method of control than a method of art. Right. They're, they're totally there to manipulate you into feeling something.
0: It just, it just didn't seem like there's any that grabbed me that much. Um, just looking at my list. Actually, the latest one would have been something from Pirates of the Caribbean. That had a very good soundtrack. An, an unusually good standout quality soundtrack. You're I talking think.
1: about strictly the first
0: one? Strictly, it's the same music all the way through the trilogy, I suppose. But I, the one I'm, I, I suppose I'm really talking about is the first one, yeah. Because um, that's. It's, do you know what it is? It's big music. There's, there's no other way of describing it. I'm, I'm aware that big is not really an adjective you can apply to, to music necessarily, but you know what I mean. Big music. And that's what Pirates of the Caribbean had. Another example of good big music that always stuck with me was the the score to Last of the Mohicans,
1: with all the sweeping um sw- sweeping strings that start off really, really, really silent, and then they just grow and grow and grow until it's booming and booming, and it's over, um, like almost overdubbing the dialogue.
0: Yeah, love that one. Yeah. Love that score, and in fact. Sat next to it as well, something that came out around the same time, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's another one that had big music. In fact, these are all big music on this list. Yeah, that's, that's what I like. And, you know, the, the things that work out well for that sort of thing are usually westerns as well. Westerns have some amazing music. Uh, that,
1: that was the suckiest Clint Eastwood was that what that whistle was? Whistle ever. Yeah. I see. Um, Sorry about that. That's
0: okay. Uh, the one I was thinking of was... Oh, no, I've totally lost it now. What was I thinking of? Silverado. And Dancers with Wolves. So that's an 80s and a 90s film, I think. When did Dancers with Wolves come out? I think Dancers with Wolves was 90. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 85 for Silverado. Do you have any others that, that stick with you? particularly?
1: Uh, Less with scores and more with actual soundtracks, because usually I have a really hard time connecting to music that's strictly instrumental. I mean, there there are obviously some exceptions, you know, Star Wars is so ingrained in my psyche that you're you're just never going to get rid of that. And, uh, you know, like I was talking about with Tangerine Dream, some of my favorite music ever. But when you start getting into soundtrack music where they start to use uh, pop radio singles to highlight the emotional mood in certain por- parts. Yeah. That's stuff I really like. Like High Fidelity, you know, it's an 85% movie for me. It's a it, definite B+. When you add the soundtrack in, bing, it's like A-plus right away.
0: It is an awesome movie, isn't it? Uh, awesome soundtrack.
1: See- it's terrific. And without that soundtrack, the movie would definitely suffer. But when you start throwing in things like remakes of Peter Frampton songs into that, it, it just it goes right through the roof.
0: It does. Then the other. Uh, God, why have I forgotten his name? Who's the guy in High Fidelity? Not Jack Black. Cusack. John Cusack. The other one, uh, Gross Point Blank. Made a much better film by its, its soundtrack.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially with all the 80s stuff.
0: Yeah. It, especially with that. Actually, Allison went to her school reunion on Friday night and was.
1: Oh, <laughs> how'd that go?
0: It was, she was attacked by an assassin and had to stab him in the neck with a pen.
1: Well, you know, she had a little bit of practice from assassinating the, was it the Shah or the the king of Paraguay?
0: Something like that. I can't keep up with all the work she does. You know, I'm at the point now where if I went to a school reunion and I didn't have to do that, I'd be disappointed with the night. Also, not going home with Mini Driver.
1: <laughs> you know... Um. Yeah. Was *Crosspoint* was Chris Point blank done by Howard Shore? Because I know he did *High Fidelity*.
0: Uh, I shall just look that up.
1: I know Howard Shore is one of those composers that really gets overlooked. He did *High Fidelity*. I know he did Seven
0: He did a uh, lot of the Rings, which is perhaps his biggest one.
1: I- I'm not a fan of those movies, really, which is weird. I know because I'm a nerd, but um, yeah. Yeah, really good music in them, at least. Um, they
0: they were they feel like the last sort of set of films where the music was very memorable. I suppose you could maybe count the Harry Potter series, but even that is just variations on the original John Williams theme from the first one. And then they never got him back for any, any of the others. Uh, kind of like they did with the Superman movies.
1: You know what movie I'm really surprised had a weak soundtrack is Avatar.
0: Yeah, you'd think that would have something rather epic with it as well.
1: It's like they put all their money into the animation budget and and just kind of strung together a pretty average score.
0: There was a lot of scope in that for something big, and and James Cameron films historically have big music with them. I mean, when you look at you know who doesn't know the the opening music for Terminator? It's just yeah. one of those. But- Seminal right. tracks, and
1: um, it didn't cost any money either.
0: Was it? What did they do with that one? I don't know any story behind it.
1: Well, I have no idea, but it, it can't have taken too much money to compose.
0: All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's Friday the Thirteenth, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. No, uh,
1: Terminator was with all the clanks those and stuff, right? It's
0: still Yeah, it wasn't much more complicated than Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> You certainly can't can't imagine how it was written out as a piece of score, you know. But then, God, I, there there are so many pieces of music that are so brilliant, that is so simple, and the 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 movie music that jumps to mind for that is Jaws. You know, you're looking at two notes, and there is the story of John Williams getting Steven Spielberg in, and he's, I'm going to play you what I've written on the piano, and he's okay, give he, me. How do you like it? How's that? Like, seriously? And then there's nearly a falling out, and they you kill each other, and like, no, seriously, this will work. It's awesome. So yeah, maybe you don't argue with John Williams when
1: it comes to music. No, his idea is always going to be better than your idea.
0: Yeah. God, Howard Shaw has done so many films, it's ridiculous. I'm just looking through his list now. It's, uh...
1: Yeah, I've been screening through James Horner too because it's funny we mentioned both Avatar and James Cameron films. He did Aliens, and uh, it looks like Braveheart and Star Trek films.
0: Yeah, he'd be he he did your, your Star Trek films along with uh, Jerry Goldsmith as well, who I think did a lot of various things. See that oh. that you get crossover with these guys, especially in the early days of their career, where they did a lot of TV. And things like that. And thinking about it, there's as many TV themes, if not more so, that always stuck with me. Uh, purely because, like we say, it's that emotional uh, connect to it.
1: Well, that and you would see it every week.
0: Yeah, that as well. I mean, but things like... God, where are we? So I have this this selection of things that are usually scrolling around in the car. Uh, the theme tune to Police Squad. You, you, again, you, it makes you, you play that in the car. You kind of want to drive through things.
1: Was that the Peter Gunn theme?
0: No, that's the Peter Gunn theme. Police. I wish I could play these things and they uh, go through Skype, but it's it won't. I can't figure out how to do that.
1: Police, I've got a soundboard that I can shoot you at some point.
0: Right. Um, but, but Police Squad was a big one. Airwolf. Book Rogers Magnum. Drive around listening to the theme tune to magnum pi and i dare you to try and like drive safely to the speed limit and that sort of thing
1: you can't it's been my it's been my ringtone for a long time it's
0: just you can't do it that that music starts and your foot hits the floor i'm surprised that certain pieces that there isn't a government sanctioned list of music that says you may not play this in the car you you can't play this in the car because it's as dangerous as smoking while talking on your cell phone and texting and making a sandwich while driving. Because <laughs> it is. It really is. If I'm driving and the Mission Impossible music starts playing on the stereo, all bets are off. Anything could happen. Honestly, I, should, I probably shouldn't even admit this on on, on, on the air. Because it's that dangerous. I feel it's that dangerous. The The action music from the James Bond films will come back to Bond themes. But
1: i knew that those were going to be big for you oh they're huge
0: they're they're huge um well let's dive into it then so this is you know i I joke about all the different playlists of things that i've got i don't actually have playlists but i do have a playlist and that playlist is all the the theme songs to the james bond series in order
1: in order wow
0: i will not tolerate it not being in order that's really I feel like I've just admitted something big and I'm an alcoholic. I will not listen to them out of order because that's that's important uh I can't even put that one on on random don't know why
1: favorite favorite James Bond theme song
0: my favorite James Bond theme song is probably the living daylights and again and, i and
1: sing a few bars
0: no <laughs> Uh, but I think that, again, is the emotional attachment. And I have a big emotional attachment to The Living Daylights as a Bond film. That was the first one I saw at the cinema.
1: So Timothy Dalton is your Bond?
0: Yeah. Which is, again, and I couldn't necessarily even make an argu- a, a logical argument for him being the best Bond. Or for Living Daylights for being the best James Bond film. But that, that whole setup is my favorite. And I, that's, if I'm going to just, if I feel like watching a James Bond film and I'm just going to walk over to the shelf and pick one up, my hand will inevitably land on the living daylights. That's, that's just a given.
1: Now, these have to be the originals or do you do remakes as well?
0: What do you mean? In, in Oh,
1: well, there's, there's some good Bond music from the, from the movies, but like, for example, the arctic monkeys to the cover of diamonds are forever all right now it's, it's really good
0: yeah no it's all the original stuff so i have okay. the i have the shirley bassey diamonds are forever uh because that that's important just all of them and again it's another one where i, I shouldn't play them in the car really it's, it's not safe it's not safe it's just not and i can't believe that you're allowed to what else is there? Do you only live twice on A Majesty's Secret Service? The one everyone forgets. But that's brilliant music, that one.
1: Nobody Does It Better. That's probably my favorite.
0: That's that's a good one. There are some goddamn tragic ones. I mean, I actually... I, I, I dislike the later ones. The the Quantum of Solace theme tune, I think, is the worst one of all of them. The Jack White, Alicia Keys one. I hate that piece of music. Really do.
1: They do get more corporate the longer that they go.
0: yeah. Um, it's
1: like who whoever is the flavor of the day gets the song.
0: I can kind of live with that. It, you know, in looking back, it, it makes no difference. I mean, I, I don't listen to the others wondering how popular Lulu was at the time she recorded Man with the Golden Gun. But I do prefer it if they're listenable pieces of music. And I feel that's where the latest one fell down. It's, like, it's not even a sound I want to hear, let alone a good piece of music. Stop it. Stop it now. Thank you. That was my thought. And, of course, the Madonna Die Another Day one, which is another sound nobody should have had to have heard. I don't know. And, but before that, it was All Time High by Rita Coolidge. That was by far the worst one. From Octopussy. Madonna
1: Die Another Day? I'm sorry, back up here a second. Die but Another
0: Day. Die Another Day, the worst Brosnan one, the last Brosnan one.
1: Oh, that one. with I, I always get that and um, Tomorrow Never Dies mixed up. I was thinking, you know, Shirley Manson does that one, so...
0: No, she does The World is Not Enough.
1: Well, goddamn, I just got them all mixed up now. Yeah. <laughs> See what you do.
0: Tomorrow Never Dies was Cheryl Co- Crow.
1: That's right.
0: God, I almost said Cheryl Cole then. That's
1: embarrassing. And then was it Tina Turner? Tina... Gold GoldenEye. And I. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was it. And I I'd, I'd love all these. I have these. They're ready to go at any given moment. Along with selected pieces of action music because you've got to have you've got to have the main theme the john barry theme with the guitar and everything like that and yes i do say my name before it it breaks out every time that's just what i do uh so there's that bit and the other bit which is sort of the action music from the sean connery era uh kind of came along i think it was in from russia with love onwards a very distinctive piece of music. Uh, and I'd again, I'd, I'd love that. This, I would love to be chased in a speedboat by lots of guys wearing blacked out helmets. With Just that, to have an excuse to play that music. With blurry. that, yeah, with that music blasting out. Because that's, that's what it is. Every time I see a guy on a motorcycle coming up behind the car, it's like, are you the one with the gun and you've got a mate and I have to fight you both on the motorbike? It never happens. It never happens. Although well, in reality, you'd probably just slam the brakes on and get out. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it, it, fuck off. But no, I'd try and fight them. Damn, they're never going to make me a secret agent. It's not fair. And they do advertise for them in the paper from time to time.
1: Really? And how did these read? Like... Needed. Spy. PC young, slightly doughy boy.
0: If that's what they said, I wouldn't be talking to you now. <laughs> I'd be on a speedboat being chased with this music plane. That's not what they read. They're like, they're, they're honestly, because it, it was a thing a while ago, sort of MI5 started advertising for spies. Like, because it's a really, because being a spy in real life isn't like being James Bond. It's, it's just not. It's apparently depressingly boring and just really terrible, and that you'd have to speak several languages and that sort of thing. But it's not like being James Bond at all. That's
1: too bad. That's disillusioning.
0: It is a bit, isn't it? But, you, I don't know, you've got to find them somewhere, so put an advert in The Guardian. Be right. Just, you know, keep it a secret if you apply, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Mind you've you- got
1: to figure that if they're openly advertising for spies, that's got to be some sort of, like, honeypot. Just to get... Strange personalities catalogued so that they can put a watch on you or something like that.
0: I can see why you would think that, but you have to bear in mind the gross incompetence of the British government. This is, this is a secret service where a couple of years ago we found out who the secret guy in charge of secret MI6 was because his wife posted his holiday photos on Facebook. That really happened. And uh, you can get, that's a, that's an argument when you get home from work, if ever there was one. Oh, you th- pardon
1: me. What's the difference between MI5 and MI6?
0: Right. MI5 is internal. MI6 is external.
1: Okay. So it's the, the analogous to our FBI and CIA. FBI handles Homeland CIA, ha- CIA handles abroad. Yeah. Okay.
0: The two institutions have actually been set up since the Second World War, and there was an MI 1 to 18. It wasn't, there was a reason why they're 5 and 6, and there's only two of them now, and it's because they always were, MI 5 and MI 6. And so MI 1 to 4 and 7 to 18 all handled different things that were mainly to do with Germans.
1: And How so, do you know that the other 16 don't secretly exist? We
0: don't. They might still. It might be the best cover story of all time. We don't know. Well, we would know because there'd be pictures on Facebook or something stupid like that. Someone will have left a memory stick on a train. That's a favorite for government in this country. I've left the memory stick with everybody's details on the train. Damn it. It's
1: the knock list.
0: Yeah, that's that's what happens. And it, it happens disturbingly regularly. That's how we know that our government is hiding nothing from us. There's no aliens at a base somewhere. There's no Mi Seventeen that's watching what you dream, or anything like that. They can't keep anything a secret. They're not, certainly not keeping anything big a secret. No way. They're far too dumb. Unless
1: that's what they want you to think.
0: Yeah. No, they're too stupid. Honestly, (laughs) there's just they're too stupid. If if they were any cleverer, maybe, but they're not. They're just not. Bless them. They try. I'd be crap at it. Why should I assume they'd be any better? You know, we're way off topic, I suppose, here, aren't we? We are just a bit. Back, back to soundtracks. I was getting on to TV because TVs...
1: Be- before I forget, someone in the chat room, I think it was Carlos, asked who did the theme to Game of Thrones because that is a banging piece of music. Yes, it is yeah. as well one of the best pieces of soundtrack music to come out or score music to come out here that I can remember in at least the past 10 years.
0: It is as well. No, absolutely it is. That's a brilliant one, Game of Thrones.
1: And I've got it up here on Wikipedia. I'm going to butcher this poor man's name. He's an Iranian-German composer, which there's a cross for you. His name is Ramin Dijwadi.
0: Right. Well, good work on that one.
1: Definitely. I I think, let's see, uh, guitar-driven score for Iron Man. So, thumbs up. I don't know really what there would have been to do on Iron Man since most of that was just um, ACDC. And it says for Prison Break, Game of Thrones, and Person of Interest.
0: I think, I feel like the theme song is kind of creeping its way back into television. Just a little bit. Because it used to be everything had a theme song. Like, Everybody knows the theme song to Cheers. And that's the
1: one that I was was going to bring up as well, because that's very, very emotionally charged. You get people who cry if they hear the Cheers theme song.
0: Yeah, they're they're a bit scary, though. It's <laughs>
1: like my my wife does get a little bit misty eyed.
0: Yeah, um, and then they, I feel like they sort of drifted into instrumentals and maybe into just weird noises for a bit. And, but and then I, I, it
1: just became interstitials where they were just, hey, here's five seconds of a little do 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 do, and then they would flash the theme song and or the the theme card rather.
0: Mm. And I I think it's a wasted opportunity, especially for a TV show. A good theme song for a good TV show m- can make all the difference. You know, you know the theme tune to Friends and Family Guy. It's it's Seth MacFarlane's keeping it alive. He's doing wonders for for music on television. And, you know, the other ones, God, I've got a list here, The Simpsons, Doctor Who, the one that made everybody's dog hide behind the sofa, that theme tune, that was just awesome.
1: That's uh, probably the most innovative use of the theremin since Star Trek.
0: I'm not sure it was a theremin, you know. No?
1: It certainly sounds no, like it. No, there's
0: a story behind the Doctor Who theme tune. It, it's not...
1: Oh. Wait a minute, did Star Trek or Doctor Who come first?
0: Doctor Who came first, I th- yes.
1: So if it is the theremin, then, then Gene Roddenberry totally cribbed that sound.
0: Let's have a look. The original 1963 recording of the Doctor Who theme music is widely regarded as a significant and innovative piece of electronic music recorded well before the availability of commercial synthesizers. Delia Derbyshire of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop used music concrete Techniques, I'm going to put this a link to this because it's got French words and I'm buttering things. So I'll let everybody be able to read it themselves. Um, where are we? Techniques to realize a score written by the composer. Each and every note was individually created by cutting, splicing, speeding up and slowing down segments of analog tape containing recordings of a single plucked string, white noise and the simple harmonic waveforms of test tone oscillators which were used for calibrating equipment and rooms. So that's it. Not a theremin. It was a woman sat in a small room at the BBC with lots of bits of tape, stretching them and doing other things to make all the different sounds. It's just a marvellous piece of music.
1: That's fine because Rick from the Starbase 66 podcast here on the network is also in the chat room and he he reminds me that there was no theremin in the Star Trek theme either. So (laughs) totally... Totally uh, dropped the ball on that one. Sorry, guys.
0: We should get you a theremin and then you could play along with various theme tunes. That might be quite good.
1: I would learn how to do it. You know that I would.
0: I bet it's quite easy as well. It's just waving your hand, isn't it? That's that's quite straightforward.
1: I don't know. I'm not too great with the Wii.
0: Right. I'm terrible with the Wii, by the way. I discovered that on Friday night.
1: What'd you do on Friday?
0: I, I went and played Wii Bowling. With the guys, you know, bit of wee bowling, bit of Tiger Woods golf. I suck at all of it, so it doesn't matter. It's that point where, you know that point with a video game where you just, you're so bad, you just don't care anymore. I don't know. That's
1: how I am at real bowling.
0: Yeah, it's just, oh, just do the thing. Do I have to get up for my go? Okay, there, done it. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to win. It's all a waste of time. I'm so defeatist sometimes. Really, it's just sometimes, yeah, no chance. No chance. Um, Where are we? I don't have much else to say about theme tunes. I'm aware this is a very short show if I don't have anything else to say about theme tunes.
1: Are there soundtrack CDs that you purchased and maybe ones that you still listen to then?
0: No. I no. I have, I, I tend to pick and choose so much i mean it, it and it, i think it's it's very much a symptom of of technology and that sort of thing that now i tend to think on a very track by track basis
1: yeah i, I mean i haven't really bought a cd since i think like 2004 oh but- and,
0: I, I don't just mean the physical media i mean just i the since i listened to an album i i can't remember the last time i did that
1: Ah. Uh. No, I do see TV shows with soundtracks and movies with soundtracks and then go and find the music from them.
0: I do that a lot. And I noticed it started happening with uh, computer games as well, specifically the Guitar Hero games.
1: Yes, those have really... I'm sure that they made Aerosmith and Metallica and a bunch of other bands an awful lot of new fans.
0: I, I bet it did. I bet it made them an awful lot of money as well. Especially that Beatles one. I bet they... I bet that... I'd love to know the, the financial details behind what happened on that deal. Because I bet there were some rather large numbers on a piece of paper somewhere.
1: The Beatles have been... Well, I guess they don't even really own their catalogue anymore, so it's a moot point. But Beatles music for the past 30 years or so has really been locked down as far as who can use it and for what.
0: That was part of the surprise of the thing happening at all, though, wasn't it? Just the idea that there was gonna be a Beatles based computer game.
1: Do you know who owns that music now? Is it is it still Apple or did Disney buy it at some point, I think?
0: I don't ever remember hearing about Disney. Uh I me mean, Beatles music rights. I remember at last count it was Michael Jackson. But obviously that's changed. So I don't know, let's see if they have anything on Wikipedia, legacy discography, song catalogue. God, that's a big pile of text. Um,
1: Here we go. This is according to E! Online, which of course, as we know, is the repository of all entertainment knowledge. <laughs> oh. It says, now that Michael Jackson's dead, who has the rights to the Beatles songs and will we be able to buy them on iTunes? Well, the answer is obviously yes. But um, the publishing rights to most of the Beatles' biggest hits are owned by one entity, a joint venture between the late Michael Jackson and the music arm of Sony Corp. It's called Sony ATV, and it also owns the rights to songs written by Bob Dylan, Neil Diamond, Taylor Swift, and, oh yes, the Jonas Brothers.
0: I find that horrible, you know, that someone couldn't own... A piece of music that they didn't create. It it just in some ways stinks of it not being right. It might have it might obey uh, abide by rules and and terms and conditions that an artist signed on a contract, but it's not right. It it's just not at all. It feels weird. And especially when it's people that just have absolutely no connection with it whatsoever. I mean, really, what does Sony ATV have to do with the Beatles? Just nothing. Terrible thing. Did you you ever hear the story of of how Michael Jackson bought them?
1: I don't think so, no.
0: That he was actually at Paul McCartney's house. And they had the, so what you up to this afternoon conversation... Paul McCartney says, oh, I've got to go and renew buying the rights to the Beatles music, goes to the bathroom. When he comes back, Michael Jackson has left his house and he's on his way to go and buy the rights to all the Beatles music and he went and bought it all.
1: Am I going to have to Snopes this?
0: I bu- Look around. I mean, I'll I'd, I'd quite happily be backed up on that or told I'm wrong, but that was the story as I heard it. That's what happened. It was, I'm going to go and do this. No, you're not. I'm going to do it quicker. And then they just never spoke again or something like that. I I could be wrong. Maybe it's on this Wikipedia page. I should read it. It's just got a lot of words. It's very big and I'm doing a podcast. I'll look it up later. Maybe if that, if I'm wrong, you know, by all means, anyone in the chat room.
1: It sounds like it should be false. But that usually is an indicator that it's true.
0: Yeah. It's believable. I believe it anyway.
1: Maybe I'm wrong. I'm looking down through my iTunes list here. You know how you said that you were looking at the soundtracks that you have. Yeah, I'm looking through mine, and there's a few albums that keep on coming up, and some of them are, some of them are really embarrassing.
0: You, you've um, got to share then. You've got to. Tell and us.
1: I've got them sorted also by the number of plays. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, really, really good music. Music that's not embarrassing at all.
0: No, that, that one is fine.
1: Uh, let's see, Godzilla, the Matthew Broderick movie. There's some fine fine music on that soundtrack.
0: I I have a really painful confession to make surrounding the soundtrack of that particular movie. Do you, do you remember what what was released as a single from that film?
1: The Sean P. Diddy Combs remake of Come With Me.
0: Yeah, that one. I might have bought that on CD. If I, I did buy that. On a, I bought that. I went to a shop, and I paid money for that song on a CD.
1: Just the single.
0: Yeah, not the film soundtrack. Just that song on a CD. There were probably some like two or three other tracks. I don't know, but that's I. I bought that, and I'm deeply embarrassed about that. Ever since.
1: That is the single that was glaring on repeat the morning that I moved into my college dorm freshman year.
0: Really? It yeah. Was, it was big, though, and I didn't hate him at the time, I think. When did that film come out?
1: 1998.
0: Right. So he hadn't had had he had the, uh, the remix of the Sting song by that point?
1: I think so. I think that that was a couple of years prior.
0: Because by God, I hated that. So it was very pretty, pretty blase. And it never went away. It was all the time. All the time. And and I remember that was big as I first went to university. So in that first couple of months when you're sort of going out every night of the week, I must have heard that track sort of 60, 70 times over the course of the first few months at uni. And it, I hated it. I never liked it. And it just makes me angry. Sorry, carry on with your list on iTunes.
1: Well, I'm just looking at that Godzilla CD now. That's got some really good music on it. You've got Jamiroquai, Foo Fighters, Ben Folds. I love those bands.
0: It should have been a better film.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure that you could make a better film with Matthew Broderick. He um, he lost a lot of the, the magic after Ferris.
0: I think it would be fair to just say he lost.
1: In, he, he did. In, in many ways, <laughs>
0: just he, he lost. If if life is a game, he's he's not a top player, I don't think. He's famous. He's probably comfortably financially, but you know, would you trade your life for his if you had to wake up and look at Sarah Jessica Parker every morning? Because I wouldn't.
1: Well, that's why I support a constitutional marriage amendment to say that you can't marry horses.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that's it. Would have saved there. That, that's one life. It would be. It would have saved that law. <laughs> Right. i don't
1: really uh romeo and juliet the boslerman movie oh that was another one because uh, that
0: that was it that just wound me up so much as a teenager because everyone loved that film as well and i fucking hated it
1: well i was in love with claire danes so i had a little bit of a proclivity toward that film that's why said. a lot of forgiveness
0: that's what everybody said oh but claire danes i like what about her Honestly, I never got it with Claire Danes and that film, it was all about, oh, look, there's Claire Danes and I didn't like her. It was Baz Luhrmann film and I hate Baz Luhrmann films. It was Shakespeare, which was just unforgivable at the time. And (laughs) it had Leonardo DiCaprio in it, who I fucking hated at the time. So there was just uh, that's that's four. any one of those four things is enough to make me hate a film. And they put all four of them in the same movie. Just I just hate it. The only way it could get worse is if Julia Roberts was in it. That's that's the only conceivable way it could be worse.
1: The big Lebowski soundtrack.
0: That's a good one. I have some of those on my iPod as well.
1: You got your Elvis Costello, your Gypsy Kings, uh Bob Dylan's on that one. That's a good C D.
0: It's a n it's a nice mix, that one, certainly.
1: You loved The Wedding Singer, didn't you? Yes, I did. Is also, that,
0: you see, there in the, in the space of like two minutes, I get to say that I hate the film with Shakespeare, but I love The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler.
1: It's a, it's a good movie, though. Come on. It is. I know as well. that it's in vogue to say how bad Adam Sandler is because he has gotten terrible. But The Wedding Singer and Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, those were all terrific movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with that at all. I love those films. I'd watch any of them. I have watched them all recently actually they're they're one of those they're always one of those is playing on Sky movies, and you can always sit and watch a bit of Billy Madison if you've got nothing else to watch. That's no problem at all.
1: I could go on down this list, but I think the only other one that I'm going to bring up is Top Gun
0: Do you know that one grew on me, and I'm surprised that I like it so much because I don't have the emotional attachment to it as a film that other people I might mention have as an attachment to it, to the film. Um, as as you'll know, I have a friend to whom Top Gun is an immensely meaningful film, and uh, it's, it's, I've never had that. I think because I didn't see it when I was younger, I didn't see it when it came out. I think I first sat through it all the way through to do it for movies you should see. That might have been the first time I sat and watched all of Top Gun. But, that
1: kind of makes me cry a little bit. It's such a good film.
0: I know. It was just, it just. do you know what it was? Again, it was a 15 certificate. I wasn't 15 and didn't see it when it came out. And then it just sort of faded away into insignificance and it, it never came up.
1: A lot of people joke about Top Gun, but it really seriously is in my top 20. If I were packing the 20 uh, DVDs that I had to take to a desert island, and those were the only DVDs I would ever see again. Top Gun would probably be somewhere around that 50% mark. 10, 11, 12, somewhere right in there.
0: It's a good movie. I, I, I can't really say anything bad about the film. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And the But the music, it, it, I have the full soundtrack. Because you've got the Top Gun anthem, which is just brilliant. And Danger Zone. And the, even the, the Berlin track. It's 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 just a brilliant album, but filled with very '80s, very soundtrack-esque music. You know, it's it's and it, it's barely made up of music that would be appropriate anywhere else. You know, do you have a Kenny Loggins album? Because I don't, but I love Danger Zone. Do you see what I mean? Did I, did that make sense at all?
1: I know where you're coming from. I'm trying to think of any other Kenny Loggins songs that are indispensable.
0: Well, the only other one I can think of is... Um, got the other song? No, the other film score one. Is it on Kenny Loggins? Footloose. Footloose. And did he... Who, oh. What's the one I'm thinking of? Not sent elsewhere. Uh,
1: St. Elmo's Fire. St.
0: Elmo's Fire. Did he do that one?
1: I don't think so. I'm going to check, though.
0: When I search for Kenny Loggins, I'm getting Danger Zone and Footlooser on my iTunes. They're both in there. See, why do I like Footloose as a piece of music? I've never even seen the damn movie.
1: It's a halfway decent movie. It hasn't aged very well, but a halfway decent movie.
0: So I hear. I mean, well, they remade it. It can't have been that bad.
1: I'm not seeing any Kenny Loggins in St. Elmo's Fire. Right. David Foster, Billy Squire, uh, John Elefante, Todd Smallwood, John Chilton, Otis Redding. Yeah.
0: See, that's why I need Allison. She's just, she's on the ball with stuff like that. Allison, oh, who sang this in the 80s? She'll tell me. The friend, she's
1: ridiculously fast with it, too.
0: She is. It's scary. It really is. I wish there was some sort of game show we could take her on to do that. There used to be TV shows like that. It was called You Bet. And you used to, you, it would, God, this, the so the show was called You Bet. And you'd have somebody come on and they'd be like, I can do this ridiculously weird thing. And the the panel of judges would then bet whether they could actually do that or not. And it would always be some really miserable guy from the middle of nowhere who could do something pointless. The one that sticks in my mind was somebody could identify uh, the item from the supermarket by just looking at the barcode. And you just take a minute to think what his life must be like on a day-to-day basis, that he's taken the time and trouble to learn that, to, (laughs) to be able to look at a barcode and tell you that that's a jar of Marmite.
1: That's like, um that's autism though that that has to be. There's no be. normal brain that would process that information that way.
0: Maybe that's why the show isn't on anymore. Maybe it was just let's bet on the freaks. You know? Or the guy who's <laughs> learned all the roads in England. He's like a he's like a human Tom Tom and he like can just reel off the, the the motorway network from his head and plan a route to anywhere. Like freak. At least that's better than the the barcode one cuz you could use that. He could be like a truck driver or something and that would be useful, or a taxi driver, but they were the ones. We could get Allison on a show like that. We need to bring that back. You bet. That'd we be should awesome.
1: make a special Atomic Trivia War 9000 game just for Allison.
0: Just 80s music version. And yeah, I bet she'd be well up for that, actually.
1: I'd have to check about getting the rights and see whether that's fair use.
0: Yeah, I'd... I'd I don't think it is, but I don't think anyone would sue us right away.
1: <laughs> not right away.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's I don't I don't think it would be legal in the slightest, but I don't think anyone would care because it's not worth suing us. I think, especially if it was just bits of tracks, that sort of thing. I've just I'm scrolling through my own iTunes list here. I've just been reminded of the greatest film score of the eighties. Not not score song, which is ghostbusters really i'm just the the actual song that was in the charts for a thousand years or something i remember
1: hearing that at the roller rink my parents would not let me go see ghostbusters because it was too scary supernatural (laughs) yeah but uh, yeah, it, it was one of those amazing cultural phenomenon songs where it just kept on going and going and going. Speaking of going and going and going, have you ever heard the full-length version of the song?
0: I think I have. I think I have that.
1: It gets seriously redundant.
0: It is sort of the same thing over again, over and over again.
1: <laughs> it really is, to the point where you have to change it before you decide to climb a bell tower.
0: Yeah, my God, I've actually got two versions of it here. Uh, there's a... Yeah, it's about four minutes long give or take. You don't need four minutes of that because it doesn't go anywhere as a piece of music, does it? No. You,
1: you need a, a minute and a half of it.
0: Yeah. But I, ju- I just remember it being around for ages and ages and ages. Uh, just one of those ones. There's not been anything like that for so long. I feel like kids are missing out on stuff today. That said, maybe there has. Do you know what? I don't know what has been a number one song for the last 15 years.
1: No. I wouldn't be able to tell you what's on the radio right now.
0: I, I don't know what the number one song is. I'm got, I feel compelled to look it up right now. I'm just. I gonna, don't
1: know what the number one hundred song is. I'm,
0: I'm going to open <laughs> iTunes Music Store and not just search for something. The number one song in the UK right now is called "We Are Young" by somebody called Fun. That's that's what that is. I have no idea what that sounds like.
1: Are, are they talking about Pat Benatar?
0: No. It, it's and it's a featuring song. It's a song featuring someone. I, I don't know. It's completely meaningless to me. I don't know who that is. I don't know what the song is. I I know nothing about that. In fact, yet yeah, the entire top ten. The only word I recognise on there is Rihanna. Oh, and Jennifer Lopez. But again, I don't know what the pieces of music are. Nor do I care to know. I don't. I'm I don't looking care.
1: at the the Billboard Hot 100. Someone That I Used to Know by Got featuring Kimbra. Those are a bunch of words that mean nothing to me.
0: Oh, that's number 10 here.
1: Payphone by Maroon 5 featuring Wiz Khalifa. Probably no. pronouncing that wrong.
0: I'm familiar with Maroon 5, but not the song.
1: We Are Young. Uh, let's see. Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, that's number three
0: here.
1: I'm just going to skip down until I actually recognize somebody. N- Nicki Minaj. I recognize that name I wouldn't be able to sing anything Let's see what else uh, Justin Bieber, number 9 Train Is at number 10 with Drive By I, I, Wasn't there a Train song in the 90s? Probably I don't know
0: Again, the 90s a bit blurry No, it's kind of like the early noughties That's a question I've never asked you How do you refer to The first decade of the new millennium In America?
1: I- I try not to.
0: But if you had to, what would, what would you end up with?
1: <laughs> the 2000s, I think, is probably what a lot of people say. Right. I, I refuse to say the naughties, unless it's in a, like a, <laughs> let's make fun of people who say the naughties kind of way.
0: That kind of took over here, because it's kind of crap enough to be a British thing to say. And I actually heard it said in a, on a legitimate, serious television program the other night. Somebody referred to the naughties. It's like, that, that can't be right. I can't believe we never came up with that. We just floundered over it for an entire decade, and now we're in the. We still don't know. I'd I'd sanction the use of the phrase the teenies. But even the
1: teenies. What? Why can't you just go with the teens? Why? Why the e's?
0: Because you have the nineties and the eighties.
1: Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. That. Just for consistency's sake, then. Yeah, just, I still oppose it.
0: It it is a bit crap, actually. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> it's not great. God, this top one hundred's depressing. I don't know anything on it. Nothing. I'm only 33. <sighs> I'm going to have to listen to all of these and be cool again. It's don't. gonna, It's going to be like that episode of South Park where everything tans, sounds like shit. And I'm going to be like Stan's dad listening to the sound of shit. Going, no, it's good. It's good. I like it.
1: Elisa well, and I live that episode of South Park every time we get in the car together because she'll turn on her terrible music and i'll just sit there rocking back and forth going make it make it stop it hurts it hurts why why do you have such bad taste
0: nobody suffers that pain like allison does you know she has great taste in music and yet lives with a guy who has two versions of the ghostbusters song know, yeah. <laughs> i i appreciate she feels pain and suffers with this stuff sometimes you know Oh, here's a, here's a refreshing thing. Number number 165 on the UK iTunes singles chart is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme by Will Smith. What? That is the 165th best-selling single in our country right now.
1: Now, I do know that he was on, what's that talk show guy's name? Graham Norton?
0: Gra- Graham Norton,
1: yeah. I think he was on there recently, and they got him to sing it or something like that, so that might have something to do with it.:
0: Maybe so. He does tend to do that sort of thing, Graham Norton, and get away
1: with it.: Let me see if I can find something here real quick. I think:
0: I think it was the Graham Norton sh- It was Graham Norton that got Simon Pegg and uh, Patrick Stewart to have a Star Trek trivia quiz together.
1: Who is Gary Barlow?
0: Gary Barlow is uh, somebody from a boy band.
1: Okay, because it's Gary Barlow playing the keyboard while Will Smith sings on the Graham Norton show.
0: I will look that up. I have to see that. Gary it's Barlow. The is...
1: There yeah.
0: you go. Gary Barlow started out sort of in the late '90s as one of uh, the the boy band extravaganza known as Take That, where Robbie Williams came from. Oh, okay. And he sort of, they went away a bit because they were uncool. And now they've come back because they're in their late thirties and they look smashing wearing big woolly jumpers with bits of beard and things like that. And they're popular again. And Gary Barlow has been a judge on uh, Britain's Got Talent X Factor Idol or whatever the fuck it is. One of them. And he's, the thing with Gary Barlow is he was always teased or the joke about him was that he was the fat one in Take That. He was, of the five lads, nobody fancied Gary. But he was Aww. he was the main singer, though, you know? But he, no, one, no one really liked him. And, and he's he's known to be a desperately boring individual. And, and as proof of that, I follow him on Twitter and do retweet him sometimes. Because uh, I just think he tweets the most inane bollocks. And especially when you take it out of context, it just is really dull. Like the last one I retweeted, he he said, It went really well tonight. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. So, retweet Gary, you boring little... He does Q&A sessions with his fans occasionally, and they always ask the most asinine bullshit, because they're all nine years old. And it's just embarrassing to look at, thinking, this is your life, Gary. This is just embarrassing. You know... Oh, it's it's really bad.
1: So what I'm getting from you is that he's not someone to respect.
0: I don't. He's probably, <laughs> do you know what? He strikes me as a lovely guy. I bet if he's your mate, he's all right. I bet he's, if he's your dad, I bet he's lovely. You know, he's always smiley. Mums love him. There's, there's nothing really bad to say about him other than he's clearly lacking a third dimension. I think that's, that's pretty much all I can I can say, although from what I read of his early criticism, he, his third dimension was the problem. Uh, but yeah, that that's it. He's got his whole entire Twitter feed is just questions from fans. Dear Gary, please wish me luck for my two exams on Thursday. Good luck. Brilliant, Gary. That is just, that is exciting stuff. You know. Oh dear, he bores me so much. And he's clearly friends with uh, Simon Cowell, who is the devil. So, you know, you can't like anyone who's friends with the devil.
1: I like Simon Cowell.
0: He's the devil. I'm partway through the new book about him. What's it called? Uh, The news. It's not called the new Simon Cowell book. I'm just, just... It's clearly so good I'm reading it and I can't remember the title of it. Is it called Sweet Revenge? Something like that. It's definitely worth a read. He's one of the most despisable individuals i've ever come across
1: having watched the first couple of uh, seasons of american idol and having that be my only real exposure to simon cowell yeah i mean i had no idea who he was prior to that but seeing him on there and having him say the things to the the sucky people that i wanted to say to the sucky people that really carried some favor with me and simon cowell
0: well that works because i mean you get shit people on and he goes you shit fuck off and you, you agree with him because they're obviously shit.
1: But that wasn't the whole thing. But, it was watching Paula Abdul sit next to him and, and try to come up with euphemisms for telling people that they suck without actually saying it. Yeah. So she'd be like, you know, you, you really have a great sound. And I think if you just wanted to you know, work on this, you could be ba- – you're, you're number one in my book. And it would, the camera would pan over to Simon Cowell and he would have his entire body thrust backward in the chair with his head back with his hands going through his hair. And then he would just slam his body forward and go, look, look. You need to go away from the mic and never, ever approach a mic again. And I don't ever want to hear you or your voice. And if you would please neuter yourself so that you can never have children, that would be awesome as well.
0: What's the one from from 30 Rock? You should jump back up your mother. (laughs) I love that one. But what I've read, so the book is called Sweet Revenge, The Intimate Life of Simon Cowan. It's by a guy called uh, Tom Bauer who has written a couple of other reasonably controversial biographies about other equally despisable people. Uh, and it's, it's really just charting. I've always accused him. He's personally responsible of destroying the British music industry. Uh, and this book pretty much details step by step how and why he did that. He, he is totally vacuous. Nothing of substance there whatsoever. He's the most shallow, fickle, pathetic individual that I've read about since i since i started reading back in january 2010 that's that's a weird crossover point for me the arrival of the kindle i have before reading and after reading and and of all the biographies i've read after starting reading again it is honestly i have nothing good to say about him other than i don't have to talk to him ever so he's he's just horrible honestly he really is sorry to bring you down with that one He's entertaining yeah. on television. I'll give you that. And he's good at telling people their shit. He's good at that too. But thats he's hes horrible. Honestly, he's horrible. He's so I hate him so much. He's one of the people I hate the most in the world, actually. They're, you know, we
1: have moved significantly away from soundtracks. Do you have anything else to say about them? Because I think I've just about expired.
0: No, I'm done with soundtracks. I'm, 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 I have nothing else to say other than just going through and pointing out which ones I think are good ones, but that's not really very entertaining.
1: Right, that's about the only other thing that I could do too. It, it would, at that point, it would be less about the soundtrack and more just about each individual track.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think we're done with soundtracks. Let's leave it there. Is there. Are there still people in the chat room with us? They're all still there.
1: Oh, yeah. In fact, They're there's
0: troopers. more people there now. We must have done a good show. Or we must have not done a bad show.
1: I don't know, because they're not really listening to us. They're just talking about their own stuff. Right. Pete Townsend and Pod Safe Metal.
0: Right. Mm. Fair enough. No, they're not listening. And Kip's gone now, right? Fine. Yeah, okay. Just walking out <laughs> on us.
1: It's okay. We might have lost a uh, Kip, but we got a Scott Redman.
0: As, as I said on Sunday during Take It or Leave It, these are the people that miss the credit sequences of films like The Avengers. The people that, as soon as it's over, they run, they, they spring up out of the chair. They're kind of waiting for it, like a runner waiting for that gun to go off. They, they that know. Was they,
1: what it, amazed me the most when I went to see The Avengers was you know I mean every other Marvel movie you've ever seen has something after the credits, but no. The entire place emptied out as soon as the names appeared on the screen.
0: I swear we were the last two, we were the only two people that didn't just jump up as soon as it finished.
1: It was me all the way in the back row because that's where I love to sit at the theater, and some woman all the way down front who was only there because she was trying to marshal up her two little kids.
0: It's a shame people miss this stuff. If
1: you don't see that minute and a half. Then you missed the entire movie.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. Totally. Well then, what remains to be said. Oh yeah, we have a forum you can go to and talk about this show and tell us about your important movie soundtracks or other soundtracks. It doesn't have to. Anything you like really. SimplySyndicated.com slash forums. And if you want to email us, you can do that at Remastered at SimplySyndicated.com. Have we had an email through recently. I I don't remember any.
1: I, I don't really see those.
0: No, they come to you as, much, they, as well. Oh, do they? Yeah. So no then. Right. <laughs> if you haven't seen any, we haven't had any.
1: Yeah. No, I think most people want to communicate with us directly on the forums, which is a good thing. But uh, also, I think that they probably get their fill. The hardcore fans get their fill at simplysyndicated.com backslash radio, which is where you go to participate in the chat room and listen to us live would record on Tuesday nights. It is
0: indeed. I was telling I had to go with the uh, uh, YouTube live stuff earlier. Do you remember I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago?
1: Right, how it runs through your, uh, what is it, Google um, Hangout?
0: Yeah, it's really, really nice, you know. I mean, it it would be fun to do it with this show, but I don't know what we'd get out of it because this is very much not a visual show in the slightest. It would, I think, just be at most a picture of me on the webcam, which can't be that good. But If if
1: it had anything to do with this end, all you'd see is me sitting in my dirty white T-shirt, and about halfway through the show, my wife always opens up the basement door to let the cats and the dogs come down, so you would see them start to walk around in back of me.
0: Yeah, I think that's all we'd get. That's I'm, it. I'm I'm not necessarily dead set against doing it, uh, but it's it was really nice. I might give that a go in the future with something.
1: Yeah, we, we should uh, we should just play with it to have fun.
0: Yeah, because it does this thing where it tracks your face, and you can make it look like you've got a silly hat on or a moustache, and things oh, like, I like that. that. And and it records the whole thing. posts it on YouTube, posts it on Google Plus, and to Twitter and Facebook. I discovered. Which I didn't know. I was just trying it out and suddenly I've got two viewers. like How, how does anyone know? And then I found out it would put it all over Twitter. So there's just lots of people looking at me staring at the camera. That like, can't <laughs> have been good. If you've got time to do that, people, get a hobby. Because it shouldn't be watching me stare at a camera. That's not good. That's not good. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, we desperately need donations and help to keep the network going. Because uh, it doesn't run for free, you know. We need some money to be able to do that. And the best way we can do that is to get it from you guys. So if you can go to our website at simplysyndicated.com and click on the donate button, we appreciate any help you can give us at all. It's all very important to us and we we desperately need some help to keep things going. Failing that, you can get over to our store and find loads of stuff that you can buy. Uh, New content, download and various things like that. I'm still building the movies that you should see year five collection. Which will be out very soon, uh, and I will say again, movies you should see is coming back. It would de- honestly, we we're bringing it back. It's not gone. It's resting, uh, and it will return. Don't worry. I was speaking to Will about it just on Friday, so it's it's all good. We won't.
1: People should probably understand that uh, doing a podcast really does take a lot of energy out of you, and if you do that podcast for five years straight, you do need a year off
0: it does get difficult and if nothing else i mean sort of at most i could claim to be doing this professionally but alison certainly couldn't and and will couldn't necessarily is either and you know people have other commitments besides doing a podcast when it's not the main thing that you do yeah so things get difficult and you know craig again i've said before craig's getting married this year soon actually and uh, so he's he's kind of having to spend all his free time dealing with that which if any of you have gotten married i'm sure you can appreciate sounds like a fucking nightmare but that's what's happening so we're working on it it's you know don't worry uh what else can we plug there's lots of stuff to plug oh do us do tell will be back this week we're, we're recording live on wednesday sort of around eight o'clock best thing to do is check the the twitter for do us do tell uh we've got two in the bag and they'll start to come out as podcasts sort of over this next week. Uh, and so I'm doing that now as well, which has been fun so far. I've learned a great deal and I found out I knew nothing. So that's worth a listen.
1: Sorry. I don't mean to be ignoring you here as you talk. It's just that when you mentioned the store, I decided to go and choose one of the things to plug. And if you really enjoyed this episode, I highly recommend getting uh, Movies You Should See Year One. The download version is only £10. And there's a lot of movies on there that we talked about tonight.
0: Gosh, there Uh, are as well.
1: Gross Point Blank, Ghostbusters, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. We didn't talk about Untouchables, but we probably should have because it has a really great soundtrack. Uh, Back to the Future. Lots of good ones that we talked about. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is in there.
0: It's a big collection for £10, actually.
1: It is. There's a ton of episodes on
0: there. I think there's something like 49 different episodes in that one. Something like that. It's a big one. And that's when it was really good. Because we hadn't become jaded and tired. (laughs) And just bitter at that point. Oh, it's a good film. Watch it. And people had tried to discuss stuff. Whatever. Don't care. Don't care. We needed this time to replenish and recharge and do something different. You know?
1: You know, it occurs to me, looking down this list, You that first season was more about fun films than critically acclaimed films.
0: It was. It got serious after that.
1: I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Because Big Trouble in Little China, that's the best film.
0: I love that film. I might have to go and watch that again. Is that out on Blu-ray?
1: I don't know, but it is on Netflix.
0: Ah, yes. I, I so love Netflix. It hurts. I, I, I feel it. You know that that when you love something so much, you can just feel it physically, and it's like Alison Barkley, Netflix, my Mac, all that sort of. They're all sort of on an equal footing. There, it's it's quite sad.
1: Just don't let Alison listen to you say that.
0: No, no, I'd, cut, to be honest, that out. She she understands. <laughs> she she knows this. Is, I am in some ways broken. This is one of the ways in which I'm broken. You know, it's it's just what she's chosen to live with. At least I'm otherwise a nice guy. So, you know, it's not that bad. But I, I feel that love for Netflix now. I've started watching all of The Office. I end up just you're like, oh, I'll just put one of these on. And I know within five minutes I'm going to actually, I've got to watch all of these now. Whatever UK this thing American. is. American. The UK one's rubbish. Uh,
1: I liked the UK one a lot. Um, but the American one has oh. a little bit more warmth to it it's it's not so despondent
0: sorry i misunderstood i thought you meant the uk or the us netflix you meant the office right in it yeah they're different creatures i love the english the uk office but it's a very different beast altogether it's we've been discussing it tonight it's a much more it's not melancholic but it 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 feels that way and also just the difference in things like the theme music making a big difference there uh the the way the English one starts off is just much more downtrodden it It's much more depressing as a concept, whereas the American one's a bit more perky.
1: yeah, the American one had to go with hope and love and romance, which are all just fiction.
0: Oh, that's so sad,
1: yeah, so good night, everybody. I'm gonna go see my wife now yeah. <laughs> Go see your wife and child all right. Yeah, I'm gonna see how she feels about that statement. Yeah. Don't let
0: her listen to this either.
1: That's that's what we do.
0: Okay, we should actually end the show then. So thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back with another exciting episode of Remastered next week.
1: Bye. And have a shiny new theme song.
0: Oh yeah, did you I'm getting into another conversation. I'll switch the show off. Bye bye everyone.
1: Bye. <laughs>